This afternoon we confess together the canons of Dort, the first head of doctrine, articles 6 and 7. However, since these are somewhat lengthy, allow me to read these for you. Article 6, God's Eternal Decision. The fact that some receive from God the gift of faith within time, and that others do not, stems from his eternal decision. For all his works are known to God from eternity. In accordance with this decision, he graciously softens hearts, however hard, of his chosen ones, and inclines them to believe. But by his just judgment, he leaves in their wickedness and hardness of heart those who have not been chosen. And in this especially is disclosed to us his act of unfathomable, and as merciful as it is just, of distinguishing between people equally lost. This is a well-known decision of election and reprobation revealed in God's word. This decision, is the, this decision, the wicked, impure, and unstable, distort to their own ruin, but it provides holy and godly souls with comfort beyond words. Article 7, Election. Election, or choosing, is God's unchangeable purpose by which he did the following. Before the foundation of the world, by sheer grace, according to the free, free good pleasure of his will, he chose in Christ to salvation a definite number of particular people out of the entire human race, which had fallen by its own fault from its original innocence into sin and ruin. Those chosen were neither better nor more deserving than the others, but lay with them in the common misery. He did this in Christ, whom he also appointed from eternity to be the mediator, the head of all those chosen, and the foundation of their salvation. And so he decided to give the chosen ones to Christ to be saved, and to call and draw them effectively into Christ's fellowship through his word and spirit. In other words, he decided to grant them true faith in Christ, to justify them, to sanctify them, and finally, after powerfully preserving them in the fellowship of his Son, to glorify them. God did all this in order to demonstrate his mercy to the praise of the riches of his glorious grace. As scripture says, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world so that we should be holy and blameless before him with love. He predestined us whom he adopted as his children through Jesus Christ in himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace by which he freely made us pleasing to himself and his beloved. And elsewhere... Those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider the doctrine of election this afternoon, help us to really understand it um, and how this provides comfort to us in Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The scripture lesson. Uh, comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Once again, we hear God's word. From Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Hear now God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The word of God so far. Congregation of Christ and Friends. Last week we began a series of sermons on the canons of Dort. Uh, Many people know the five heads of doctrine as the five points of Calvinism. So we know better that it is called the five heads of doctrine. And last week we began an introduction to this very important doctrine of election. And in that introduction we learned five things. The first that all people are sinful and God would be just if he hadn't saved anyone. That is essential in understanding the doctrine of election. God would be perfectly just if he had saved no one. All people are dead in their sins and transgressions. God is not obligated to save anyone. He is obligated by his own oath and design to damn everyone. But secondly, we hear that God was merciful sending his only dear son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Third, he also sent preachers by which people hear the law and the gospel to hear about Christ. And then fourth, we hear that there are two outcomes to preaching. One is unbelief and the other is belief. And fifth and finally, we learned that uh, the reason people don't believe is in themselves. And the reason people do believe is in God alone. Now, in Articles 6 and 7, we speak of God's decree of election. And the fact that uh, anyone having faith is solely the responsibility of God. So first we'll see how Article 6 defines God's decree. And second, we'll look at Article 7, which defines election as a part of that decree. Third, we'll understand that there are two responses to the decree of election. So first we begin in Article 6 with understanding what a decree is. Seems like a Sunday full of definitions, but it's very important to understand these words. We toss them around, we don't know what they mean. Uh, We have to understand the content of these terms. Well, the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks the question, what are the decrees of God? The answer is this. The decrees of God are His eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. 
we sing the hymn, God Moves in Mysterious Ways, this. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, He treasures up His bright designs and works His sovereign will. Both the Westminster Shorter Catechism and our hymn speak to the wisdom and the purpose of God. The wisdom and purpose of God translates into action, which means that He issues decrees or commands. And so kids, this sounds maybe sort of hard to understand, but it's really not. You understand what a king is or a queen. Uh, When a king or a queen makes an authoritative command, it happens. So if the king says, off with your head, your head is off. It's chopped off. Or if a king says or a queen says, I want the army to go to this country, it goes. God is like that. Although he is perfectly just, he is good and wise, he doesn't say just off with your head for whatever reason. No, he makes commands and they happen. When he said, let there be light, there was light. When God said he wanted to create all things, he spoke and it happened. When he said, I want to sustain the world through the word of my power, he speaks and the world is sustained. That is what a decree is. It is a order or a command. And so this applies to all things. We say that creation is a decree, providence is a decree, and then predestination is a decree. So it's very important, again, to understand terms. When we say predestination, we mean two things. We mean election and reprobation. Predestination means two things. Election and pre, or reprobation. So election is according to God's decree. Our canons say, He graciously softens the heart of the elect, however obstinate, and inclines them to believe. This is the only way anyone believes. God makes it his purpose for somebody out of the mass of fallen humanity to believe. Reprobation is he leaves the non-elect in his just judgment to their own wickedness and obstinacy. The destiny of judgment for wickedness is every person's destiny outside of God's mercy in Christ. So we learn that predestination means two things. It means election and reprobation. Now let's be honest. When people think about this, when they reason it out, they think, well, I don't like that very much. Or, I don't think I agree with that. You're saying that people don't have free will in terms of salvation? Yes. And you're saying that only God chooses some and he leaves others in their sin? Yes. That's what the Bible says. I, I don't believe that. Okay. Well, it's pretty clear in Ephesians, but also Romans, Romans chapter 9 is very powerful. In this chapter, Paul is saying that he would, he would basically damn himself if he could for his people Israel, for as a nation, they have fallen away from God. But then he says, not all Israel is Israel. And so what he's doing is he's speaking in the context of this chapter about individuals within Israel, some of whom God has chosen. He gives an example he says, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Not mean that God's a hothead and he got really mad at Esau and didn't like him. But he chose Jacob and did not choose Esau. Paul also goes on to say in verse 14, What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? 
Is God not fair? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Then he goes on to say, uh, You can't find fault in God. The fault is in man. God, in his infinite wisdom, has designed some as vessels of honor, some for vessels of dishonor. Some are elect, some are reprobate. We'll come back to Romans uh, 9 later in more detail, but suffice it to say, it's very clear what election means. God chooses some. Reprobation is God passing over others. Article 7, essentially defined, if we sort of eliminate some of the um, supporting words in, our, uh, in the canons, we come up with a uh, more definite, uh, concise definition. Election is the unchangeable purpose of God whereby he has chosen from the whole human race a certain number of persons to redemption in Christ. Again, the unchangeable purpose of God whereby he has chosen from the whole human race a certain number of persons to redemption in Christ. Now, let's qualify this definition. Six things. We have to understand who the author is of election, the time in which it takes place, the quality, the cause, the object of election, and the means. Very quickly, this will really help us to understand what we're talking about. Who is the author of election? The Stoics would have said, well, you're talking about blind fate. Uh, fate sort of chooses your destiny. That's what a lot of people think today. When they look at God and, and describe God in their own terms, God's like fate. No. God is personal. He is wise. He is good. So we say the author of election is God the Father and God the Son, according to John thirteen eighteen. Election seems horrible when it's attributed to some blind force. But not when you understand that the author of election is God the Father and the Son. How about the time? When did all this happen? Well, Paul argues in our text, Ephesians 1, that it was before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1.4 He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Now, this is why it's very important to understand God's decree. A decree happens in time and space. Something is executed outside of that decree. So before the foundations of the world were laid, back in the corridors of time and eternity, God said, I will create, there will be a fall, and then I will choose some people out of that fallen mass to be saved. So logically, in God's mind, as we see the scriptures, we understand that God said, I will create, there will be a fall, but out of that fallen mass of humanity, I will choose some. And then it happens. There's creation, there's a fall, and on it goes. Come back to this in a moment. Suffice it to say, when did this happen before the foundations of the world were laid? So author we know is God, time before the foundations of the earth were laid. Quality. 
This is the unchangeable purpose of God. And this is where we understand comfort. You are God's elect. Nothing can change that. doesn't matter what you think or you do, ultimately, nothing changes that. Now, we say that God's elect will follow God the rest of their lives. So you don't have to worry about that. And we'll learn in the fifth head of doctrine great uh, uh, comfort and assurance because we do go through hard times. We can come back to Christ and understand through coming back to Christ that we are elect. Fourth, the cause. Nothing else but the sovereign and good pleasure of God's own will. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 5 and following, He predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He bestowed grace upon us in the Beloved. So the cause is nothing else but God's own design and purpose. So coming back to this whole idea of a decree, uh, that God uh, decided before the foundations of the earth were laid, earth were laid uh, to, to choose some, Think about Ephesians 1.4 and it says that he, that is uh, the Father, chose us in him, that is in Christ, before the foundations of the world. This does not mean that before the foundations of the world were laid, you were in Christ already, united to him by faith. No, it means that you were chosen to be saved by Christ. Very important to understand. Because we're talking about cause here. The cause of God choosing you and you and you and you was his own will. It wasn't something that happened, will happen in time and space. Not even what Christ would do. And we say this because some people think, well, really, God is choosing me because of something that happened in the world. Uh, My own decision, perhaps, or something like that. No. He chose you for his own good pleasure. When he executed salvation, it was through Christ alone. So that's why he says... You're chosen in Christ. Christ is essential to salvation, not the decree of election, you see. So when you think decree, you think election, that's something different from salvation. God decides to choose, that's his own good pleasure, then he executes salvation in time and space, you see. And what this does, it leaves everything up to God. He decides, he carries it out. The object, the object of election a certain number of persons from the whole human race which had fallen through their own fault from their primitive state of uprightness into sin and destruction. It's added here to this that the elect are no better than the reprobate. Very important. All people are the same. All people are fallen. God simply decided that some would be his, others wouldn't. So God's people, in other words, can't say, I was somebody special in God's eye, and that's why he chose me. Or I was going to do really well in school, or I was really pretty, or handsome, or whatever, and because of that, God chose me. No, God simply chose you for his own pleasure. Very important. Now you are special in God's eye because he chose you. Finally, means. We remember that we would distinguish between the decree which is God's eternal purpose to save and salvation, which is the end for which the decree is given. So God has chosen certain persons from the human race to the end that they would be redeemed in Christ. Therefore, Article 6 says, the elect are given to Christ to be saved by Him. Christ is the means of salvation. His 
active obedience to do the law and his passive obedience on the cross to die for your sins. Then in a person's life, the Spirit of God applies the merits of Jesus to you, you see. So the means of salvation are very important. It is Jesus Christ. We'll come back to this again when we talk about the assurances of election. Because people get, well, frankly, really freaked out when they think, well, am I God's elect or not? What's wrong with me? We don't try to think, what was God thinking? What did he do in time and space? We don't do that. We go, we flee to Christ. Well, finally, there are two responses to election. This is a profound, a merciful, and righteous discrimination between men equally involved in ruin, which is revealed in the Word of God. That's what election is. And some believe election is made up, or they reinterpret the scriptures on the subject. It's not made up, but clearly it is revealed. The mechanics of election are not revealed. Why he has chosen you and not chosen someone else. But it is in the word of God. And the elect receive that. And they rejoice. God is a creator and sustainer. He is the eternal king. Of course he elects people. Of course he's in charge of salvation. Why would we think God lets us do whatever we want... Uh, in any area including salvation no God is in charge and the elect you see will receive that and accept it but men of perverse and pure and unstable minds rest it that is twist and distort to their own destruction yet to holy and pious souls it affords unspeakable consolation so notice here it doesn't say that uh, stupid people don't get it and smart people do No, the difference is faith in the perfect, holy, and good God. A soul at peace is a soul which clings to God, who is absolutely in control. And so that's why Paul says in Ephesians 1 that the doctrine of election elicits praise. It's not confounding. I mean, it is that if you look at it by itself. But in the context of Christ, it is something that elicits praise. Well, in conclusion, our confession begins with the lostness of people. It then moves to the fact of a self-existing eternal king who decrees all things that happen in this world, including salvation. The decree of predestination, we argue, includes what? Election and reprobation. That is the definition of predestination. Election and reprobation. But for the church, predestination offers assurance, security, and peace. We understand that once we've been saved, we will always be saved in the sense that we are in Christ's hand. Nothing can take us away from his hand. And for that we praise God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.